Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you are tuning in to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness and my sex and my happiness. And today, uh, different from most other days, maybe one time in the past I did this, I'm going to be speaking myself. I don't have any guests. I'm the guest. And um, yeah, I want to talk to myself about this virus, this COVID virus thing. Many of you know that I was flying around the world leading courses for ISTA, International School of Temple Arts. And um, I've been doing that since 2014. So that's six years, over six years. I've been a globetrotter all over the world. And so that came to a crashing halt. And um, am I sad about that? I think it was time for a pause. For me, there was t weeks where I would just fly home, empty out my suitcase, do the laundry, put everything back in my suitcase and get on the road again. I was on more planes than I ever imagined and visiting more people than I ever imagined. And I love it. There's, uh, that fulfilled a life fantasy of mine uh, to travel the world and make a difference in people's lives. So I'm so grateful, so much gratitude for that. And Will that start up again? People keep asking me and I go, what do you think? I have a crystal ball. I have no idea, none. And that's what I want to speak to later, a little later in the show. So when that stopped late February, early March, I had a trip scheduled to go to Miami. And from Miami, I was going to go to Tel Aviv with Michael Gibson, my partner and teach extraordinary lovers and so something in behind the scenes you should know is that Michael and I had plans for 2021 2022 putting our courses online never suspecting that we would be doing that now never suspecting that all of a sudden plan B back burner maybe even C became plan A so immediately we just quickly adjusted and we put our seminar, which originally was two and a half days onto line online, and we made it two days. And uh, so that was a tremendously successful outcome of an, an effect that uh, the COVID-19 had on us. We just took the back burner and put it on the front. And in our first program, we had 22 participants and we had uh, people from seven different countries, which was amazing. We had people from Israel, Switzerland, uh, Germany, the UK, Mexico, the United States, and Canada. And so uh, we were thrilled. And so we were, you know, thrilled, jumping up and down, ecstatic. And I think the people really got something out of the course. Well, I know that. So that was that. And then we put an eight week, I'm sorry, a six week program online, the 
to Ordinary Lover's Journey. And then uh, Om Rupani and I put our Tantra Meets BDSM online. And ISTA put its core gathering and its festival online. So lots of uh, interesting online things have happened. I've now been in four festivals and presented to hundreds, I mean, maybe thousands of people that I didn't know before, and some I did know. So all of the growth that it took and the experimentation that it took, because seriously, I doubted that there would be vulnerability and there would be openness and there would be able to be energy exchanges on uh, when putting these programs online. But to my surprise and thrill, it's really possible to connect over Zoom. It's really possible to connect. It's really possible to feel energy. And that both delighted me and amazed me. And I, I came away feeling very happy. Now, some of the downside of that, uh, speaking to over 200 people online and seeing their faces in these little squares, you know, around the screen felt good. I mean, we even did Lottie Han, moving in the unknown together like that. But after each presentation, like decompressing is a challenge. Like I'm on screen with 200 people and then everything goes dark and I'm sitting there. I found myself sitting there in the dark going like, okay, now what do I do? One day, like after the first presentation at the ESSA Festival, which for me ended at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, my time, but it was international, so it was different times for everybody. I was sitting there and I was shaking because I had so much technology to pay attention to that I, I said to Michael, he said, you want to jump in the pool to decompress? What do you want to do? And I said, I like a shot of tequila. I'm just being vulnerable with you. Like I needed a shot of tequila to stop shaking from how challenging the technology was to orchestrate because my first presentation had a video and it also had um, some slides. So I had to maneuver all these things that I never dreamed of maneuvering before in my life. So I had a shot of tequila at 2.30 that afternoon. And then I went in the pool. Luckily, I live in Arizona where it's, great weather right now and swimming weather and uh, I feel so blessed for that. I mean, look, if I was going to stop traveling, I could be still in New York, in New York City. I could be in, on Long Island. I could still be in Washington, D.C. And you know what? I choose Phoenix, Arizona over all of those. I'm happy that it's warm here and then I get to swim five months out of the year. That's like my passion. Uh, so anyway, that's one way the COVID-19 has changed me. Another way is that I'm, you know, although I have two people that I live with, Michael, my partner, and Bill, my roommate, um, so I'm not isolated. Well, let's go back to Michael, my partner, for a minute. So how, how also the COVID virus changed me is that before this, Michael and I were living separately. We were living in two different places. He had an apartment four minutes away. And although, 
you may be wondering, well, you're lovers, you're beloveds, you love each other. Why don't you live together? We were staunchly, uh, what's the word? We were staunchly convinced that living apart kept our polarity, kept us desiring each other, kept the uh, polar opposites that we are um, well, healthy, and alive. And if you had asked us before this, would we ever move in together? We were a no. No. Hell no. And then this hit. And because we didn't know where money was going to come from or if anybody was going to sign up for our online courses or whatever, we looked good and hard at the question, should we move in together? I have a big, beautiful home that I own. And I said to Michael, I think you should move in. I don't think you should waste money in rent right now because we, you were, we were just planning to go around the world together to do a world tour with extraordinary lovers and that's not gonna happen. So I think the best thing would be for you to move in. So he did. Over the month of April, he slowly moved all of his things in. And I have to tell you, my house is very orderly and neat and spick and span clean. And it takes a while to integrate somebody's whole personality, somebody's whole being, somebody's whole possessions into a house that already has plenty of possessions and plenty of stuff. So I've had to give up on my house being like totally in order. I've had to give up on my compulsive need to have everything in its place. And by the way, Michael is like that too. <laughs> he has a need to label everything and put everything in its place. But it takes time, especially when we're working like we are online. So I take a breath. <sighs> I let it out with sound and I do it again. <sighs> a lot every day. When I look around and see everything is not exactly in order. Um, then I had some, you know, I had a time when the three of us went out shopping and we were so afraid. It was the first time we went shopping. You know, we wore masks and we wore gloves and we had hand sanitizer. We had everything. And we went out and uh, I think we, I, I thought the way it looked to me was we bought too much stuff and we didn't have enough space in the refrigerator and the freezer for everything that we bought. And I got into this survival place. Like I got into a loop. I don't, I'm sure this has happened to you already during this, but if it, I just want you to know it's superhuman to, it's human to do this. I, we, I was standing in front of the refrigerator. We were unpacking the bags and I, I, I had a meltdown in survival. Like lizard brain said to me, there's not enough room in the refrigerator. There's not enough room in the freezer for all that we bought. We're going to die. <laughs> it took everything for Michael and Bill to talk me back from the ledge. I was, I was scared for my life. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I mean, my parents were from the Great Depression. <laughs> my grandparents. Um, I guess my grandparents were from the Great Depression, but my parents, you know, talked about it all the time. Um, also, my grandparents escaped the Holocaust. They came over from Russia just before 
everything heated up in Germany and the Ukraine and Russia and uh, most of Europe. So there, I grew up hearing, you know, things about fearing things, fearing. So who would think that I would fear abundance? But I got into this snag of fearing for my life because we bought too much food. You know, the idea of throwing it out and wasting anything is just like, it's so ingrained. Like, I hate wasting food. <sighs> Take another deep breath. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, there was another time when my sister came over to deliver some organic eggs that she bought from someone. And I said to her, did you wear a mask? Did you wear gloves? And she went, no. And then I was like, ugh. I pulled back from her and I just was like, what is wrong with you? You know, and it was just another opportunity for a family feud. Uh, a few of those things happened in the beginning weeks of quarantine. I think I've been quarantined now for three months. And uh, that's, you know, where this brings me to. I've been quarantined for three months. Um, I, I take... Now, most of you know that I, I'm into super longevity. And so I have a closet that is filled with supplements and I'm super healthy. I mean, I, it takes something, it takes a sledgehammer to get me sick, you know, and I'm not asking for one. So I'm not terribly frightened of getting the, the virus at this moment. And I don't think I was terribly frightened of getting the virus before before this moment, but I was trying to be a good citizen. I was trying to be a good, uh, I was trying to think if I, because I travel so much, maybe I've been exposed to it. So I should keep away from my friends and family so as not to expose them in case I'm a carrier. I read all the articles and I did what they asked me to do. And I'm sure many of you did too. Some of you might be laughing at me and you know what, if you're laughing at me, that's okay. Um, People laugh at me all the time, so I don't really care. I don't take it too personally. So anyway, here I am now. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of flourishing at this time. Many people are not, and I feel bad for them, and I don't know what to say. I have no remedy for that. I don't know what to tell them. I'm flourishing, but maybe that's because I've been laying the groundwork for 20 years. Um. I miss not traveling and all the things that I have had scheduled are on the calendar now, you know, pushed way ahead. And I don't know if they're going to happen. The first road trip I'm supposed to go on is to Toronto. And I don't know if people from the United States are going to be able to go into Canada. We just postponed it until August. I don't know if by August we'll be able to go from the U.S. to Canada. I was thinking to drive from Phoenix to Detroit and then go through the border that way. Big question mark. Everything is a big question mark. Big, big question mark. I've taken care of myself. I'm not only self-pleasuring. I'm self-loving by exercising. We built a gym in the backyard, so I work out every other day. And I swim pretty much every day. So I'm in good shape. I feel good. I feel really, really good. Now... There are a lot of questions. I've seen a lot of the uh, conspiracy theory videos. 
I've read a lot of the medical reports. I'm friendly with cutting edge doctors and scientists because I'm part of the super longevity community. So they're friends of mine. I can write them. And I did write to one. And I said to her, she's a Dr. Sandra Kaufman. She's amazing. You should look her up. Sandra Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I wrote to her and I said, Sandy, what is going on here? Is this real? And she wrote back and said, yes, it's real. And the important thing is to not age because people who are older are in the most threatened position when it comes to this virus. She's, and then she gave me some supplements to be looking into and taking, which of course I will. By the way, if you want to know about her, you can go to, uh, you can download the app Kaufman Protocol and you can put in your health challenges and she does the algorithms and sends you what you need to be taking. She's brilliant, brilliant researcher, brilliant woman. Anyway, so she says it's real. And if she says it's real, I believe her. I am in the age bracket that's the most threatened. What do I do? Do I not go shopping? Do I not go? I just got my hair cut. Michael cut my hair in the middle of all this. I made him do it. He hated doing it, but he did it. And it looked pretty good. And then my barbershop opened the other day and I got my hair cut. And they said that he did a pretty good job. I, I told him that. He, I was proud of him. Anyway, I've seen so much stuff. And so I guess I'm going to take one of those radical stances right now and say, look, I was a hippie in the 60s and the 70s. You know, I was totally counterculture. I was totally against the government. I marched. I wore my green army jacket and I had a peacoat, a navy peacoat. I, I mean, I was a flaming hippie. And I, you know, in my heart, I still am. I still want peace and love. <laughs> Are the governments taking away our sovereignty right now? I think they are. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I I don't know. You know, like, I don't know that I'm up to being the leader of a, of a counterculture movement right now. I call myself the general of the sexual revolution because I definitely participated in being a general of that in those same times. What do we do now? You know, I didn't own anything then. I didn't have anything then. You know, I was in college, I was in graduate school, and I was just, you know, yeah, let's march against the pigs. Who is the pig at this point? Who is the enemy? Is Bill Gates the enemy? Is Donald Trump the enemy? Are all the leaders of all the governments the enemy? Some things are really scaring me. I spoke to a friend in Australia yesterday, and he told me that just to go to a burrito joint, you have to give your name and your address in case someone in the joint who works there comes down with a virus and they start tracing back the contacts of who they had contact with. I heard from someone else, a friend of mine in California, that on your phone, they can track where you've been and who you had contact with. So now I come back to my family. I come back to how I was raised. 
I was raised by people who were affected by the Great Depression. I was certainly affected by people who were affected by pogroms in Russia. And that's why my grandfather and his brother escaped Russia so that they wouldn't be put in work camps because they were Jewish. Is this Nazi Germany? I'm not asking this because I was brought up a Jew. You know, I don't even care about religion. I don't care about mine. But are these questions? Oh, that is my grandfather. <laughs> that, that this bust. My father made it. Uh, my grandfather. Um, so he's present right now as I'm speaking to you. Is this resembling totalitarianism in its worst form? The fear is so widespread and people are so hunkered down. Is this what we need to be doing or do we need to be taking to the streets? I not only took to the streets as a hippie, but I took to the streets in the first wave of feminism. I marched at midnight to take back the night. You know, I participated in all of that. Do we need to take back our lives? This is the question that I'm asking. I'm not going to go into all kinds of conspiracy theory and all kinds of stuff that I've been hearing and reading. I'm not even up on all of it. There are people who, who are much more up on it than I am. But my I'm starting to really question my behavior. What am I doing by being a good little girl, a good little citizen? Is this what all my work comes to? For 22 years, I've been helping people get empowered. And I've been saying to people that if you're sexually free, you can't be controlled. And here are all the sexually free people I know. And I work with my colleagues and all the people that have been in my classes and in their classes. We're online now in festivals, all of us, offering people still freedom of sexuality, freedom of choice, sovereignty, self-pleasure. Pleasure is your birthright. Are we supposed to be sitting isolated in our, in our homes, afraid of our shadow? I mean the shadow that we cast on the sidewalk. I don't mean the shadow within. I, everyone should be working on that. But when are we going to not be afraid? This is the question I'm posing right now. When am I not going to be afraid? When are you not going to be afraid? What are we going to do about this? So I sit in the question. I pose the question to you. It's taken a lot for me to decide to do this recording. I, I mean it. This is not, uh, I didn't envision this again. I, I had it all set. And I was teaching people their freedom. I mean, the, the tenets of ISTA are love, freedom, and sovereignty, like building a field. We have over 10,000 graduates, love, freedom, and sovereignty, building a field of love, freedom, and sovereignty. What the hell are we going to do? This is the question. <sighs> yeah, I take another deep breath. You know, in ISTA level two, there's the question posed, what would you die for? Like what cause 
would be powerful enough for you to give your life for it? And of course, the, that we beg that question because what we're really asking people is, what would you give your life to? Like, what would you set up as the intention for this life, this life? So I have intentions. My intentions are to set people free. And my intentions are to uh, discover the secret of living a much longer life. Because I don't want to go anywhere. I love it here. I love my life. So I beg those questions to you. What is it worth dying for? What would you give your life to? What would your life's purpose be now? And these are the questions I'm facing. <sighs> so, some of you think I'm just this happy-go-lucky person. I am very happy. And I'm faced with probably the biggest questions of my lifetime right now. My whole life has changed in a blink of an eye, and so is yours. And what are we going to do now? I would love, love, love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear from you as a result of listening to this and pondering this question. So I'm going to tell you how to write to me. I always tell you this. I mean, it says so on the show, but write to me. My new email is Laurie at lauriehandlers.com. And I so would love to hear from you about this. It's really important to me to hear from you. So that said, um, in the meantime, I have lots of offerings and lots of things that you could participate in. And I'm happy to do that. That has been my life's purpose up until now. I'm happy to have you participate. And you can find that out, all that stuff out at lauriehandlers.com. Or if you're, oh, here's another thing I didn't even say. If you're struggling in your relationship right now because you're locked down together or because you're long distance together, or maybe you don't have a relationship and you're wondering when you're going to get out of this and be able to meet people again. Um, I would love for you to join me on May 30th and 31st in online.extraordinarylovers.com. You just go there and you can find out more about it. And I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to offer all the things I'm offering because that's who I am. So I'd love for you to join me. And in the meantime, I want people to contemplate. I'm sure you are. This deeper question of what is worth dying for and what is worth living for. And when I pose this question, I want you to know I'm serious about it because I'm somebody who wants to live. I'm somebody who isn't going down easily saying my time has come, walking quietly into the night. Like I'm not going to do that or have applesauce dripping down my mouth onto my chin. I'm not that. But there's something here that needs to be pondered and considered and possibly organized. So please do be in touch with me and let me know your thoughts about this question. And if you care to join me on 
Anything else in the interim? LaurieHandlers.com. You can find out everything there or online.extraordinarylovers.com. To all my listeners, I love you very much. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for listening for years. And this time, this is different. This is sex and happiness at the edge of what? What point is it to be sexy and happy if we have no freedom, no sovereignty, and we can't touch each other and give and get love? What? So I'm saying namaste, as I always do. The divine in me bows to the divine in you. Let's get into a conversation about this. Love you very much. Laurie Handler signing off for Sex and Happiness. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.